Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. I don't know about you, but some of us uh, are runners, like Derek, and then there's others. And uh, I, I don't run for fun. I, I run if I'm being chased by something. And, you know, have you ever seen those little Facebook things that pop up recently that, you know, like millions are posting on and they say, hey, what, what have you been chased by other than a bear? You know, for me, it was a chipmunk. Um, I, it's the only animal I've ever been chased by was a chipmunk. And uh, we decided to chase him back and catch him. But that's a long story and it doesn't make me look good with animals. Um, but we all have these choices to make. You know, Derek started this sermon series last week about talking about the strides that we take. And, and I tell you what, man, he is just unpacking it so well. He finished the Making Change series. And then last week, he talked about these strides we take. He talked about the race that we're all on. And, and I want to just talk about a portion of what that race is, what that race looks like. Um, but first, I want to celebrate somebody. And I don't see them this morning, um, but I'm going to pick on them. And uh, we, we, on occasion, we do these things called the intro dinner. And how many have been to an introductory dinner where you've heard the story of the church? Look at that. Almost all of you. Come on, man. Come on. Can we give God praise? That's awesome. Come on. Because you've heard the story. You've heard the foundation. If you are new here or never been to one of those, make sure when, when Derek has one that you go because they talk about the story of the church and, and how we all play a part of that because it's not just about, about him or the church. And, and here's what I love this. It was one of the intro dinners. And before we had a building, we used to do the intro dinner at our house. And uh, how many were at our house for one? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, and so we were at our house, and and we actually built our house 11 years ago with the idea that we would have people in there when we were starting a church. We did. We had so many church meetings there, and uh, finally we had a building where we were able to you know have bigger gatherings. Well, I'll never forget this couple, and they're part of our church. How, how many know Jerry and Linda? Anyone know Jerry and Linda? Okay, if you don't know Jerry and Linda, Jerry and Linda come in. They're probably the most wise, and by that I mean oldest couple in our congregation, okay? In fact, you probably think they look out of place when they're here. You're probably like, this is loud music, and these are not hymns. What are you doing here? And I remember them coming slowly entering into our introductory dinner. And and I remember talking to Heather privately, and I said, what are they? I think they don't know what our church is like. Like, they don't know that, that we're loud, and, and the pastor wears weird shoes, and we got just funky stuff happening, and we're still going to preach Jesus, but they, they belong in like a Methodist church, or, or a Lutheran church, or somewhere. Like, they're, 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 like, they're going to be afraid. They're, they're not going to be with us for long. That's what I said. And uh, God corrected me. I told somebody this morning, I don't remember who, but that I've never been wrong before. This was one of those areas I was totally wrong. And we're sitting around, and at the intro dinner, we still do this. And, you know, the format might change with, with Pastor Derek, but I remember listening to each person and we got to their story and, and we started in a circle and we got to the story of how you came to the bridge and we get to Jerry and Linda and, and to hear them talk about what their decision was. And I didn't realize they had been with us for a long time and had visited already for like over a year before they decided to come. And they said, this is our home church. And I said, you got the wrong home church, guys. Like, why? And I didn't understand the choice they made. And here was why they made this specific choice. The why they had the decision to make the Bridge Church their home. I love the answer. I think it's the greatest answer I've heard from anybody at one of our intro dinners. And they said, you know what happens? They said, when we go to the Methodist church, that's where they used to go. 
said, we'll walk in there. We see everybody our own age. So when we walk into the bridge church, two things. One, we feel younger. And two, it's about the generation that's next. And we want to be a part of that. So turn up the music. And I was like, come on, man. Come on. We can give them praise. Come on. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but that's a way better decision than Guido up here made, all right? I'm just, I tell you what, if, if I'm going home with $5, Heather and I are having a long talk in the car about giving up a quarter million dollars. How, how many of you, just by round of applause, you love and have such clarity on your walk of just making decisions so easily? <laughs> okay, so I'm talking to the right audience, all right. Okay, so this will be relevant today. Do you know how many decisions each of us make every single day? What's your guess? Just shout it out. Come on, shout it out. 2,500? What? Million? All right, it's a little high. All right. Okay. 30 at 35,000 decisions a day is what the average person makes. Okay. And this is not including the things you just take for granted, you know, like breathing. We don't, we don't, you know, all right, breathe in, breathe out, breathe. Could you imagine? All right. Am I going to breathe now? I'm going to breathe later or blinking our eyes. We don't, we don't focus on that. Now you're going to right now. All right. We, we focus on like, we make decisions. Which car am I going to buy? When do I get gas? Some of you are like, wait till the needle is just barely, you know, almost dead and you're worried, you know, you're working on faith. Come on, you know who you are. And then there's others of you that like, it hits that half tank mark and you're like nervous. We got to fill it now. Okay. There's both sides to that equation. Heather and I represent each side. Um, where we eat. How many are married? And it's just an easy decision where to go eat all the time. You always decide, and one of you, both of you, just are so stubborn that you say, this is where we want to eat, right? There's not one of you that's like, I don't know where I want to go. I don't know what sounds good to me. And then you get there, and, and then you change your mind, and you go, but maybe that's just us. Uh, you know, vacation, where we go on vacation, what animals do we have? How do we raise our kids? How do we discipline our kids? We have all these decisions. Are we going to church today? Are we watching church online? Are we going to the bridge today? Are we not going here? Are we, are we going to tithe? Are we not going to tithe? We have all these decisions that go on. Am I going to sing during worship? Am I not going to sing during worship? That we just constantly make and I think it bombards us without us even knowing but there's these bigger decisions these bigger choices in life and so how do we know what to choose how do we know how how do we decide what is right what if I told you that in the next 30 minutes I could give you kind of a recipe for you to know what to choose is right I don't know about you but I'd want that and and so I'm not saying this is perfect But I believe that God has given us some ordained material in his word of God that we're on this race and we have choices to make. Some are easy, you know, some are really easy. And then there's other choices that are really difficult. You know, right now, we're, if you don't know, Heather and I, we're in transition right now. We're figuring out our plan for what's next. I still have people every week that come up to us and say, so what are you doing? What's next? And we're, we have the same answer. And if it changes, we'll let you know. Uh, Probably, we'll probably let you know, but honestly, uh, it's our life. And so we want to do what God's calling us to do. And we're still trying to figure that out, what that is. Um, we're just taking the step of faith. We've made that choice that God has asked us to do. And to be very honest, I'm not even sure it has to do with us, but I think it has to do with the anointing that's on Pastor Derek to take this church to the next level. Anyone in agreement with me? Come on, somebody. We said when we started, we don't want to stand in the way of what God is doing. And we're getting old, man. And Derek's young and spunky. He's ready to go. Those of you that are older than me, you're older too. All right, so 
I think often, though, every single one of us is looking for these things. We are looking for peace, clarity, and we're looking for a nudge in the right direction. Like, God, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And those three biggest areas in life are faith is one of them. Who are we going to believe? What religion do we believe? Are we going to go to church? Are we not? Vocation, where am I going to work? What's it going to like look like? You know, we're trying to figure that out. Are we called to do ministry? Are we called to do something in the marketplace? Like, what, what is it, God? And we're asking him right now in our life. You know, and then the other one is really relationships. And these are really some of the toughest decisions and the biggest decisions we go through in our life. Um, and here's what's interesting. You know how, have you ever like done one of those like flight simulators or you've done a simulation thing? We did one at the state fair a couple years ago where you could drive like the big plow trucks. They had that simulator. We crashed into everything. They're really hard to drive. It was really fun. Um, there's no simulation for making choices. So I think that's why it becomes stressful. It becomes harder. You know, there was no simulation. Maybe if this guy on Deal or No Deal had a simulation set up and he went through it over and over, maybe he would have decided differently or he's just an idiot. I don't know. Um, you know, this is a, this is a big mistake. All right. Now, I'm sure there's forgiveness and they've walked on now. But there's not really practice for decision making. Or maybe, just maybe, you have made a decision you wish you could go back in time and change. That's what we call regret. Maybe I'm the only one here that, that suffers from that, our word. You know, anybody have regret? Don't raise your hand. We all do. Second Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, that leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings what? Brings death. I love this. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. In other words, anything that we have that we regret, God says, if you lay it at the foot of the cross, he takes care of it. And he gives you peace. He trades you. He says, you give me your regret and I'll give you peace. Deal or no deal, right? And so I'm like, deal, God, take it. And so today, here's my goal for you on this race that we're running. I want you to have hope no matter what decision you've made or what decision you face right now or what decision you'll face later. Because you've either made ones you regret, you're in the middle of making some, or you're at a peaceful place and you've got to make some down the line. There's a verse, though, that I want you to cling to. Here's your, here's your memory verse for today, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul writes this. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Notice, no matter what you do, do it to the glory of God. So what do we do with our regrets? Glory to God. The decision we're making right now, glory to God. The decisions we have to make later, we give that to God. We give him. Check. Hey, we're back. All right. All right. <laughs> For those of you watching online, we paused for station identification. All right. We actually had technical issues. We're back, though. This died. So I just want to give you some real practical and some spiritual things. And I just kind of got them mixed in. So I'm just going to kind of pound this out at you. So buckle up. If you have a seatbelt, click it. Because I'm going to go a little bit quick. Because I have about two hours of material I'm going to give you in the next 20 minutes. So here we go. Don't confuse a moment for the whole story. Okay, when you're making choices, I think often we get so wrapped up into a choice that we're like, if I do this choice, then I have to live with X, Y, Z. Or you've made that choice and you're like, I ruined it all. You know, you didn't. You're not that powerful. Okay, you got to get over yourself, bro. Get over yourself, sis. We're not that powerful. God's in control and he can take whatever decision we've made, the ones we have to make or we will make, 
And he uses them for his glory. That's what he wants us to do. And so don't confuse that one mess up or that, that one moment that you have to make right now. That it, That's the whole story depends on that one decision you have to make. Because many times we've made ones. We've sinned or we've made those mistakes. And we go, man, I messed it up. I messed the whole story up. Well, no, you didn't. It's just an obstacle. In fact, I would even beg to differ. It's not even an obstacle necessarily, but more an opportunity. And you have the discernment to decide. Am I going to look at it as an obstacle? Or am I going to look at this as an opportunity that God has for me in my life? It's your choice, nobody else's. Psalm chapter 37, verses 23 and 24. It says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who does what in him? Delights in him, though he may stumble. It's the only time I think the Bible lies. Though he will stumble. I'm kidding. The Bible doesn't lie. All right. We will stumble. Okay, though he may stumble, he will not fall for why the Lord upholds him with his hands. I want to be clear, the Bible is perfect, okay, in every way, shape, and form, all right? But I look at this series, we're in stride. Derek talked a lot about track and how he's, he's coaching track and all of these things, and I love that. He's, he's in the community. You know, he's really an influencer with people. And one of the things that I look at is people that run track, one of the, one of the events that I think is so pertinent to us making choices today is hurdles. Anybody here ever ran hurdles before? A few of you? Okay. All right. I'm not a hurdle runner. Okay. I'm not. I, I can't do it. I don't like hurdles. I, I hate hurdles. But I think in our life, if you look at where you start on a track, okay, and you go all the way around, and if you watch these people run hurdles, they get up to the hurdle, they jump. They get to the next hurdle, they jump. They don't always get across the hurdle perfectly. In fact, I've seen some crotches broken. I have seen some legs broken. I have seen some raspberries from here all the way down. I have seen people in tears. I have seen people say wonderful, colorful language. I, just lots of different things running through hurdles. Now, again, that's just track and field, not necessarily our life. I know in life we don't have hurdles we face and we don't react the way that they do on the track, right? Is it an obstacle or is it an opportunity? Look at that hurdle, and we had to figure out how is God and what is God doing to get us through this. And sometimes it's taking a step of faith going, I don't think my legs work that way, but I'm going to take a step and try to jump over this, God. You're with me, all right? Next, sometimes we hold on to things we no longer need, and we grip the things we need to let go. Okay? Sometimes we hold on to a lot of the stuff that we no longer need. So think about it like this. If you're watching somebody run hurdles... Okay, and they get up to one, they're just speeding, and they're like in first place, okay? Because they're from St. Francis, come on, somebody. And, and they get up to that last hurdle, and they stop, and they get down on their knees, and they're like, oh, hurdle, I just, I just want you. Don't go away from me, hurdle. They become hurdle huggers, right? They're just like, oh, hurdle, don't leave me. And they're like, I, I just, and they're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the hurdle with me. I just want to go with the hurdle. And, and, and they, they're like carrying this hurdle around. Because they don't know anything else. And they go, I can't let that go. That's part of my journey. That's so important in my journey. If I let that go, I don't know if I can handle that freedom. Don't be a hurdle hugger. <laughs> Seriously, you're weird if you're a hurdle hugger. But we do that so many ways, don't we? Emotionally, monetarily, with things, you know? Some of you are probably hoarders. I'm not a hoarder. We're kind of minimalists. And so you walk into our house, we don't, it doesn't look like we have anything. And we're spring clean, so we have less of nothing now, all right? Walk into some of your houses, and you literally, it's like, bring a shovel, because we got to clear a path, because we're holding on to stuff. Well, what is that? I don't even know, but i got to keep it. Well, what's in it? I don't know. 
And it's like a moldy box that smells bad that's been wet in a basement. And you're still holding on to it. Why? Why? But not only that, physically, I think we hold on to those things relationally, emotionally, mentally, the hurt. And we don't know how to just say, hey, I don't want to be a hurdle hugger anymore. I just want to let it go. Okay? That's what God wants for us because he is not asking us to carry anything on that journey. In fact, Peter, I love this. 5, 7, First Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he wants you to make the right choice. No, what does it say? Because he, say it with me, he cares for you, cares for us, cares for you. I've done this in more ways than I even want to confess to you. I, I'm the poster child for a hurdle hugger, all right? And I don't do this with stuff. I don't really care about stuff. I care about relationships. I, I, love, I love kids. I love my kids. I love my wife. You know, other than God and my wife, it's my kids. And uh, I, I love them so much. But one of the things that I hold on to is, is now my son, who's playing drums and kicks butt at playing drums, mind you, all right? He's almost 6'3". Okay? He doesn't want to sit on daddy's lap anymore. He doesn't want to sit by daddy. In fact... He, he's like kind of his own man, loves Jesus with his heart, going after God with all his heart, figuring out his life right now. He's got all that going on. And then I'll walk into Kohl's. I hate Kohl's. Not because of figuring out Kohl's cash. That's another issue. But I hate Kohl's because you walk into Kohl's and I see the little Carter's onesies and my heart stops and I, I like literally start crying right there. Like, I'm, I'm in Kohl's. I'm a, I'm a guy by myself. I probably look like a weirdo because I'm here in the kids' section walking through the onesies, and I'm just bawling my eyes out. Why? Because I'm still holding on to that. Man, I missed that when they were like two or three, and we got to watch Donut Man and Salty the Singing Songbook and all of the Christian kid stuff that we used to just sit on the couch and watch. And I go, I'm never going to have that again. And what I hear Jesus' still small voice say to me, he goes, well, Chris... Are you holding on to that for me? Or are you holding on to that for you? And God's saying, why don't you let that go? Because I'll tell you what, there's moments I get to enjoy now and have conversations with this six foot three kid that I didn't get to have when he was five. You know, and seeing your kids serve Jesus with all their heart as they grow older, that's one of the biggest dreams I've ever had in my life. Never care how big our, our church got. I cared if my kids served Jesus with all their heart, and that's still going to remain the same. And I'll tell you what, my kids to this day, all five of them at this point, are serving Jesus with all their heart, with all their mind, and with all their soul. And if something deserves praise right now, that does. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. You know, often hurdle huggers, what they're holding on to is really interesting. I'm holding on to regret that I had no control over, which honestly is just really stupid. Because if it's something that we had no control over, we're trying to change something that was never meant to be changed. Next, God is giving you an invitation more than a decision. And you have to make a choice in something. It's not about the decision. It's about the invitation that Christ is giving you. You see, it's a journey. It's a race. Derek talked about, you know, he talked about the, the marathons, one of which I will never do. And I'm okay with that. But the journey is more important, even if 
We never arrive at what we think is the destination. It's about that whole process. You know, a few years ago, this was in 2006, we had lost our job as youth pastors, assistant pastors at New Life Church in Ramsey because the church was struggling financially. And they came and talked to us and they said, hey, you're going to have to start looking for other employment. We prayed because we don't do ministry for money. We're like, should we just stay here and, and still do what God is calling us to do? We love the youth, the kids, the people, everybody. That was, that was Heather's home church since she was like two. And so to move felt just awkward. It felt off. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and, and nothing was opening up. I was like, screw ministry. I don't ever want to do it again. And, and I couldn't find a position. And then we looked in the, you know, in the world and this was right before the big crash of 2008 economically. And so we were looking, trying to figure out what to do. And so I found myself delivering pizzas for Domino's just to make ends meet. I was doing whatever I could do. And I remember it was the Ramsey Domino's and nothing was happening. And I got to this place this evening and I'll never forget because this was about the journey, not about the destination, but I had to get to a place in my heart of surrender that I pray you get to in your life because that night I'll never forget this moment. I, I was literally mopping up dominoes. I had such a relationship with all the workers that I already shared Christ with every single one of them. And I'm in there and I'm pumping. They let me pump my music. So I'm pumping audio adrenaline. If you don't know audio adrenaline, it was my favorite rock Christian band. I'm pumping it. I'm listening to it. They're like, what is this? I'm telling them about it. And then I got still, I turned everything off and I'm mopping up the entryway and I was frustrated with God. And I said, God, I think I've been doing what you've asked me to do. I've been making the choices you've wanted me to make, but we, we don't know what's next, Lord. What's next? And he didn't tell us what's next. And here's what happened. See, God was ready to do something, but something needed to change in me first. And so I said, Lord, and this was my prayer. I said, I don't care if it's mopping up dominoes or leading a church someday or whatever you want to do in and through us, we're going to do it to your glory, no matter what it is. The next day, we got a call from a pastor in Eden Prayer. He's going to be here on the 10th just as a support of our last day. But Working with him changed my life. He was a phenomenal leader I got to work under and work with and learn from. And, and I, I take joy in that part of our journey. It didn't have to do with the destination. You know, we thought it was going to be Eden Prairie. Then we came back to St. Francis. Now God's moving us somewhere. We, we're just a part of the journey that he has. Moving on here. Uh, see, the most important thing, I think, is not the things you achieve or the decisions we have to make, but it's the person you become along the journey. Who are you becoming along that journey? Next is this. Be still. Will you do this for me? Will you look to the person next to you and just tell them, be still? Okay. Now look to the other person you don't like as much and tell them that too. (laughs) Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. How many here by round of applause are really good at being still? Okay. Right, exactly. We stink at it, all right? The King James Version, we stinketh at it, all right? So stop, stop the constant opinion of others. What do you think? What do you think I should do? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Shut that up! What do you think? Do you think, do you think I should say shut that up from the puppet? Do you not think I should say that from the puppet? What do you think I should do? What, what, what do you think? And we just constantly have this intake of people all the time. Stop letting that happen. Stop letting things own you. I love my snowmobile, dude. My Harley's great. <laughs> I love it. Well, how much time do you put on, put into it? Dude, I work day and night on this thing. It owns me, you know? Well, how often do you ride it? I don't know, like one day a year. Okay, well, really? If, if it's your passion to work on it, great, but don't let stuff own you, okay? We're called to own this stuff and be stewards of it, not the other way around. I think we get that mixed up. We think more stuff, more freedom. No, my friend, opposite, all right? 
Stop and ready? Here it is. Stop using technology as your crutch. Uh Uh-oh, stepped on everyone's toes, including mine. Stop using technology as your crutch. Oh, I just need to be still. I just need some me time. So what do we do? Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Discovery. We each got our guilty show that we like to watch. Mine's Impractical Jokers, all right? We get, we get technology and we sit down and, and we start doing it because we're going, oh, I'm just resting right now. No, your receptors are going, blah, 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 blah. you're not being still, you're going nutsville. So what if, ready for this? What if, <laughs> some of you are going to hate me. I don't even like this, but I think it's what God's calling Heather and I to do. I'm not saying you have to do this, not biblical. But what if, what if you took one hour a day, one hour a day without any technology? <gasps> some of you are like, I need to leave right now. Never go to this church again. What if you took one day a week without any technology? See, they used to take a Sabbath. We're still called to take a Sabbath. We don't have to for our salvation, but God invites us to. And what if one time a year we took one week without any technology? Just saying. See, realize what happens is the input in our lives, whether it's a dorky show, and then all of a sudden what happens? Some of you are like, I'm bored. And then you go and start scrolling for Facebook and you don't even realize you're doing it. Because we're just so used to it that we are called to be still. Not because technology is bad, no. But because God's so good. He just wants to communicate with us. He wants to be with us. And if you can't hear him, it's because you have constant input without ever having the opportunity for output. So stop the input. Next, be led by love rather than pushed by fear. Be led by love rather than pushed by fear. This is the gospel message right here. I don't know that the gospel message can be any more clear than this on the screen right now. Be led by love, not pushed by fear. I don't think Jesus comes to cram everything down our face or anything. I think he loves people right where we're at. That's what he wants. Now, there is is biblical truth that we'll follow and we'll be non-negotiable on. You know, is marriage between a man and a woman? Yeah, it is. Okay, well, what about this? Well, this is what the Bible says. I'm going to go back to this. And it's not me that's offending you. It's the Bible that's offending you. And so it's not going to bug me. You got to take that up with God. There's some non-negotiables in the Bible. Would you agree with me this morning on that? Okay, that's countercultural to our world. And I'm not here to offend them, but I'm here to be a representative of Christ who will meet them where they're at. If I have a couple that walks in here and and they're living in a way I don't believe, I'm still going to love them. I'm still going to pray for them. I'm going to say, you're welcome here. And I'm going to allow God to clean them while we just catch them. We'll let him do that. All right? That's the gospel message. Next is this. When seeking direction, look for arrows, like pointed arrows. Okay, not just answers. Heather and I just listened to this in a book last week called The Next Right Thing. Look for arrows Okay, what is God kind of leading you towards? Not just the answers you're looking for, but look for the clues. What is the decision or the choice you have to make in life right now? And what is he leading you on that journey? If it's a track and you've got, you think of a track at a high school and you've got all the hurdles and, and the lane and maybe you're out of your lane or you've got the hurdles and you're not looking at it as an opportunity, you're looking at it as an obstacle and you're trying to figure out where am I called to go? Well, here's the interesting part about a track. If you go through the hurdles and you stay on that track, even if you got out of your lane, eventually you'll wind up where you're supposed to be. I want you to see this because there's, there's directions that you go. God will make that path straight as you trust in him. He says that in the book of Proverbs. And so that's what we're called to do. 
Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. Some of you know this in the King James Version. I have the NIV Version. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I love that. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. This next part, though, right here. He guides me along right paths, or paths of righteousness in other versions. He does it. He guides you. He sends the arrows, not for your sake, but for his, for his name's sake. He's doing that. He knows your course already planned out for you. Even when you're like, I, know, I wish I knew what my next step was. Ted, I'll call you up in just a minute, my friend. Um, and so I, I believe that we're on that track and God knows our destination even when we don't. And how many of you, just by show of hands, just raise your hand. I want you to be bold right now. How many of you have have had this? You've prayed and you've asked God, God, will you just show me what I'm supposed to do next? And you hear nothing. And how many of you, you keep asking. You're like, Lord, just show me something. Come on, Jesus. Come on. I, I just, I want you to show up somehow. Can I just make a hypothesis this morning that I believe to be true? The more I have been in those shoes, every time we do that, I think sometimes... The silence is the answer. Now that's going to be interpreted different for each of our stories. But when he says nothing and he's silent, he's really being very loud at that time. Any, any Boundary Waters lovers? I love the Boundary Waters. And I remember being up there a few years ago with a good buddy of mine. And, and we were up in the Boundary Waters. And we, we go up every year. And this was the most quiet I had ever heard the Boundary Waters. Like, you ever gone into a restaurant and there's no music playing and just how awkward it feels? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you're talking and everybody can hear you. It's just weird. Okay? Like, if you came into church and we didn't have music playing, it would be kind of awkward. And so, I remember being up there. There was no bird sounds. There was no anything. You couldn't hear waves. You couldn't hear anything. And the silence was literally deafening. Like, I've never heard silence that loud in my entire life. Couldn't hear a thing. The only thing I worried about was either, either like if Bigfoot was real or if like, like some big bear came and like scratched along our tent, it would freak me out. We actually woke up at three in the morning from ants walking on our tent that we could hear. That's how quiet it was. But what if we had our lives that quiet, that still before him? I think God would, would continue to speak. Come on, Ted. Come on up here. I'm going to have Ted play behind me. I want to finish this. I, I just, just give me just like three minutes. Because how we view God, this is really important. For those of you that have decisions you're making right now, it's really important because how we view God determines how we view our choices. And so it might not be the choice that's the issue. It might be your theology that could be off. And so let's test it right now. Because if you believe God is, is like a mad guy or he's mad at us all the time, you're probably afraid of making the wrong move because he's going to be upset with you. That's not who God is. It's not his character. Or if we believe God is distant, like he's way away. This is what I used to believe, that he's way far off, that you're going to feel alone when you have to make that decision. Like, I just got to go for it. He's way off. He doesn't really care. He's out, out in space somewhere. Or if we believe God is that like mean parent, that scolding parent, we might be like, hey, you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You're just going to delegate the decisions and not have the boldness and the confidence to man or woman up and do what you believe God is telling you to. If we think God's kind of a, not that, not that big, kind of a wimp, we can think, well, I can, I can kind of manipulate him to get what I really want. 
If I can, can kind of just push God into my way of thinking, th- then I'm good. Or if we feel God's indifferent, like he just he doesn't care, we might think it doesn't matter because he, he, he just doesn't care. It's not going to matter. Or if, if we think God is a carnival worker, you know, the one that the old days, they had the little cups and they're moving the cups with the ball underneath. And, and we might be like, all right, God's a carnival worker. Now I got to figure out and guess which one's the right one. And if I don't, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to win. Maybe you think of him as a puppeteer just along the way. Or like an old grandfather, you know, that's just like, oh, whatever you want, go have an extra candy bar. Or maybe an abusive parent or, or a really needy friend. But he's not any of those things. We'll talk about his character because I want you to know that God is still present even when we make the wrong choices. Okay? Listen, God does not know how to be absent. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? amen. God does not know how to be absent. Well, you don't know my story, Pastor Chris. You're right, I don't. But I know God. And he doesn't know how to be absent even in your story. Every story here, he doesn't know how to be absent. People will let you down. The church will let you down. I will let you down. Pastor Derek will let you down. Your spouse will let you down. But God will never let you down. If you figure out where to go during that time where you're trying to figure out your decisions, it's not to somebody else. It's not even to a pastor. Yeah, pray with them, but then go back on your knees. Jesus, what is it that you're speaking? I want it as quiet as I can hear an ant walking on my tent so that I can hear specifically what you're saying because God is speaking all the time. We're just not always that great at listening. Proverbs 16, 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. I used to think of this verse, and I used to hate this verse because I thought, well, this is what I want to do. And God's like, no, you're going to do that because my theology was incorrect. You see what this verse really says? If I delight in him, okay, if I delight in him, he gives you the desires of your heart. That's actually Psalm 37, verse 4. If I delight in him, my heart's going to align with his it's going to align. The more time I spend with him, the better off we're, the more connected we are. And I think often what happens is we're waiting for God to say something. Lord, say something! Where are you? Jesus! Bad connection, hello? Well, we're waiting for God to say something. God is waiting for you just to take a step. Jump over a hurdle. Take the first step. And see when you walk by faith, not by sight, as the Bible tells us to, that he'll bless that step of faith every single time. And so get over that fear. Last two things, I'm fly because I'm out of time. God doesn't use your intentions, he uses your choices, okay? Well, I think I'm going to do this. What choice do you need to make? Here's your action step right now. Write it down. Write it down. Even right now, if you're taking notes, pause what I'm saying. Don't even listen to me right now. Listen to the Holy Spirit. What is the next step that God is calling you to take? And take it by faith. Well, I might get it wrong. So? It might be the wrong step. So? God doesn't know how to be absent. He's going to be there every step of the way. Well, I might hit a hurdle. Praise God, you get an opportunity to walk through something. And guess what? You get to tell the person that's running behind you how to get over that hurdle. Because you just went through it yourself. Be careful, though. You do that enough, God will make you a pastor. I'm just saying, all right? Check, check. We get so concerned with our choices. God is more concerned with you.
See, a wrong decision is just that. It's just a wrong decision. It doesn't matter when we're wrong. It doesn't speak to our identity. It's just a situation. It doesn't mean that a door is slammed or a door is wide open. God's not going to shame you. God's not going to trick you. God will never tease you. He will not laugh at you. He will not terrorize you. He will not pull the rugs from underneath you. He will not roll his eyes at you. He won't throw up his hands and he will never turn his back on you. Because that's the character of who God is. That's why he sent his son. Because you know we can't do the journey on our own. And I kind of picture this. You ever seen that old footprints in the sand poem from like years ago that's on every grandma's cabin, you know? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. If not, just Google footprints in the sand. What if on that race we just realize that Jesus will carry us when we want? He'll carry you. See, the most important thing about you is not the things that you achieve, but the person you become. And the best thing you can become more than anything else is a believer in him. And then he takes that journey from there, and it's phenomenal. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the journey you've called every single one of us on. Lord, I'm reminded of the story of Elijah. He just witnessed all these miracles. And he's up, and he's being chased. People wanting to kill him. And he's figuring out what to do next. Then he gets to a place of anxiety, frustration. And he sees an earthquake, feels an earthquake, sees a fire, all these things. And then all of a sudden it gets real quiet, and he realizes that's where you're at. He was still before you, and that's where you decided to speak to his heart. Lord, I believe you're speaking to the hearts of people this morning. I believe there's been a lot of different, even decision-making processes happening this morning of decisions people need to make. Some are tough, some are easy. But you're in the midst of that. And this morning, God, I just ask that if anyone here doesn't know you, they would believe in their heart, they would confess with their mouth that you, Jesus, are the Son of God and that you love us and you meet us right where we're at. You forgive us. You forgive us of the sins we're going to do today, that we've done in the past, that we're going to do in the future. We don't have to do anything for your forgiveness, but just receive it. And Lord, the same goes true as we say yes to you, and then we're led by your Holy Spirit on that path for our life. We'll make mistakes today. We've made mistakes. We'll make mistakes again. And yet, we're not the ones that pull us up from our bootstraps and dust us off. You do that. And then you run with us. You lead us. You guide us and you love us along a journey and you love us along a place and a path that we haven't been on before. And we just thank you for that grace. We love you and we just want to lift your name this morning, Jesus. We worship you and we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, come on. Let's give him some praise before we head out. I don't know what decision you have to make. But I just encourage you to take heart those things. And uh, again, we're listening to a great book right now called The Next Right Thing. It's phenomenal. And I would just encourage you, if you have big choices and big decisions to make, take heart to what we, what we learned about this morning and give it back to him. But know no matter what you make, it doesn't matter as much as him, okay, just in your life. So just take the worry, the anxiety, leave it here before you leave. Let that heaviness of whatever it is you're carrying Just leave it here before you go so you can have a peace, life-filled day. Amen? This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week.
Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.